Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat here digitally next to my number one podcast principal in charge of the podcast school, Jean Maloney. Jean Maloney. And Jean Maloney, this going to be episode 83. 83 again, <laughs> racing through my brain. That was a song called Episode 83 by English band The Lars from 1988. And wow, they're English. They, they are that. English. And mm. I think they're from Liverpool, actually. I think they're Liverpudlian. Mm. Mm-hmm. It goes The Lars and The Beatles. Those are the two. Yeah. Yeah, they've... They're really in lockstep in terms of their influence yeah. on different forms of music and different musicians. Yeah, that documentary came out on Netflix that was just called The Lars and everybody watched a 10-hour <laughs> documentary on Netflix about them. <laughs> and they, sh- they, showed, they showed a little behind-the-scenes bit where they were making up that song. Yeah. There, were- <laughs> there she goes. No, no, no. It goes, there, there, we've got it. <laughs> I thought I would start off something, John, just to be a little bit light. Keep the podcast mm. hot and strong and light and right. Yeah. Maybe we could make this a new segment as well. I thought we could start off with confessions, shameful confessions. Thought this would be an easy oh. way to come up with content each week. You just think of things in your life mm. that you're deeply ashamed of. Going to be real oh, easy. That'll, that'll, give, that'll give us another 100 episodes easily. <laughs> <laughs> you sit down and you just you just go, what's really getting at me? What do I feel mm. like is making me a worse person? Normally, normally I have to put those thoughts to one side in order to prepare for the podcast. <laughs> I'm opening my <laughs> confession jar. If we could, we could pay. Mm. I, I want to pay Usher's publisher to get Usher's confessions to play at the start of this segment where he goes, these are my <laughs> confessions, man, I don't and I've thrown it away. Yeah, so big confession. Lay it on us. Yeah. Big confession from Harry Holbag, Alexander Holland. I have mm-hmm. been eating way too much white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> And I, oh, I, need, and I need help. And you would have witnessed a little bit of this because. <laughs> yeah. I One thing actually, it's funny. We forgot to mention that on the um, Templehof culinary treats, but you mm. gave me a little, a little white stick. That's with, what I kept at calling the end it. Of each, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of each meal, every meal. <laughs> and for anybody that doesn't know, white stick is what I call. Uh, in four interconnected pieces of white block chocolate. So you mm-hmm. you break you break off the short side of a block of white <laughs> chocolate, and there's four of the little squares, and I call that white stick. And I would say to mm-hmm. John at the end of every meal, let's just have a little bit of white stick, which does just <laughs> sound like a drug. It's a cheekily it does, having a bit yeah. of a drug. Come on, it's a it's a Friday. We've yeah. had our randies. Let's get on the white <laughs> stick. <laughs> so I've been, I, I've cut caffeine out of my life for mm-hmm. probably almost a month now, maybe even more. And I was reading about caffeine, and caffeine is in everything, including chocolate. 
dark, oh. like dark chocolate or, you know, not white chocolate. And right. so that's why I started eating white chocolate. And, uh-huh. th- and now I'm just eating a real ton of it. And it made me... <laughs> <laughs> How much? How much is a ton? I don't know. A couple of blocks a day. Two or three blocks a day. Yeah, no, that'll gum that'll gum you right up. (laughs) But um, it also made me think when I wanted to say that on the podcast, it made me think. It made me realize that we often talk about what the themes of the cast are, and we talk about (laughs) technology, and we talk quite a lot about mysteries. You love mysteries, Mm, and we also talk bit of nostalgia. Yeah, and then we talk about social tips, these kinds of things. Yeah. One thing we hadn't really messaged is it's it's a very dietary focused podcast as well. <laughs> Pri- primarily because of me and my ninety eight percent of that is you, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to productivity hack my own body. Yeah. And uh white stick is not part of that. Um but <laughs> I probably my yeah. the sugars that are in my diet are honey, mm-hmm. uh, lemon randy, which is <laughs> which is uh, alcohol free beer and lemonade. It's an alcohol free shandy. Is it sugar free lemonade or is it full? No, sugar? it's full sugar. Okay. It's 150 yeah. calories a can, so it's not insane. Okay. it's fine. It's that's fine. not bad. Yeah, and then then my white stick. I'm eating my dal, mm. and then afterwards I'm putting white stick in my head. But what it's making me think is yeah what i could do to get more discipline and what what we could do and i'm not sure if we'd be the the first to do this but i would be willing to come up with some kind of app that connects to all my fitness trackers and then my data is just broadcast to the dptm community (laughs) so i was thinking I was thinking, yeah, to keep me on track, I would post mm-hmm. my current weight and then I would just have live weight updates because I'll just mm-hmm. I'll pop my smart scale right in front of my door so I have to walk over. I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it on the doormat, under the doormat, yeah. and I have yeah. to step on it every single day. And, yeah. uh, and it also will mean that'll be good for my neighbors because it will also mean that I have to get down to my underwear out the front of my house <laughs> before, I, before I get in. I dump all my clothes down. Smart scale. What you need is a, I know there are scales that can, I don't actually understand how they do this, but they can tell you, they can give you an estimate of your body fat based yeah. on, you know, sort of a breakdown of your weight. Yeah. But I don't know if they've gotten to the level of, being able to determine how much white stick you've got in your system at any one time. Probably I guess, not. Well, I could start taking I could start taking daily blood tests. I could pay mm. to have blood work done every day and then publish <laughs> all of the results and have it scrutinized by the DPTM community. I'm think so obviously base, <laughs> basic stuff like weight, heart rate, sleep, that's all stuff that can be tracked now with basic Mm-hmm. smart watches and uh, smart scales. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking maybe uh, stool consistency I can report on. Yeah, that would be that would be great. On the Bristol chart? <laughs> Anyone not familiar with the Bristol chart? Can you explain the Bristol scale to the audience, John? Sure can. I've got it uh, <laughs> hung, hanging on my wall right here. Uh, keep it on hand. 
keep it on hand, particularly now that I'm on the verge of my 40s. It's become increasingly pivotal to me. <laughs> Framed. Yeah, it's framed. It's, it's in an ornate. It's actually it's thousand dollar frame. Sign. Yeah, I got a special edition off Etsy. It's signed by one of the original <laughs> designers of the stool chart, uh, and it gives you a variety of different types of stool. Mm, bowel movement. Yeah, so you've got your sort of your more palady uh, style. Yeah, <laughs> you put it that way. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> your rab, your rab, your rabbit leavings. Yeah, your boring rabbit leavings. Your rabbit leavings kind of, you know, might indicate a bit of dehydration mm-hmm. uh, right through to your kind of moderately consistent uh, ones that just are quite healthy. And then obviously the yeah the more soup the more soupy <laughs> variety, which you want to, which you certainly want to avoid. <laughs> Um, and I'm not sure what effect uh, white stick, excessive consumption of white stick would have on the stool, but probably make you a bit constipated, I imagine. Um, so we can keep an eye on that as one vector, if you like, of the uh, of your health journey. So yeah, I want to be tracked. I want to be tracked and then I want to be mercilessly uh, like body shamed and ridiculed so that I can get back mm. on track. So if I pop up a few kgs... I want somebody to email to email in or get on social media. And go, hey, what the fuck's going on? Why are you <laughs> porking up down there? You told us on yeah. episode ninety two that you'd done away with the white stick. What's going on? It's true. What's where's my Patreon yeah. money going? <laughs> right into Willy Wonka's pocket. It sounds like. <laughs> So, Al, during the week, I, uh, my mind seized on a topic which I like to call a Schlagburger with a lot because <laughs> it, it involves many of the themes that draw together our show. It involves technology. It involves 80s and 90s culture. Uh-huh. And I'm very pleased to say it involves none other than patron saint of the show, Mr. Will Smith. And, <laughs> okay. uh and that is the topic of uh, 900 numbers. Now, those of uh, our listeners who are around our vintage or older will remember 900 numbers being a kind of ubiquitous fixture of the uh, 80s and early 90s. And we, I guess, came of age around the time that they were a sort of dying phenomenon. And I think what made me think of it was I listened to, as I like to, an episode of Seinfeld as I was falling asleep. And this episode concerned Kramer calling up 900 numbers and he accidentally or just by chance gets on to a phone sex operator who turns out to be Jerry's girlfriend. Huh. And uh, and it occurred to me that it was an interesting subplot because it was obviously something people at that time were very familiar with, but it's not really something that you see anymore. And I think I'm not sure you'd really find anyone in that line of work or any businesses operating in that way anymore. I could be wrong, but certainly when I was growing up, you used to see late at night on television, lots of kind of illicit chat uh, phone numbers that you could call, which were usually, you know, very expensive. You'd put, you'd pay two or three bucks a minute. Yeah. 
and uh, and I guess you, I, I never called one, but I guess you have you had sort of illicit chats with some long suffering person on the other side. And yeah. uh, so, and just for our it, younger listeners, uh, like uh, essentially a nine hundred number. It's a number that you would call that call you would pay for by the minute, and the prices right. ranged from. Uh, you know, a couple of bucks. It could it could end up being quite high. I remember it could. I remember yeah. be, some some being like five dollars a minute if you were calling like a sex a phone chat sex line. And in Australia, we had exactly. We also we had double o double five numbers, mm. and we had one nine hundred numbers. And I guess in the US, they just had nine hundred was the extension, which they get called nine hundred numbers. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, so I sort of dove into this topic and I realized that this, the sort of illicit or pornographic side of it is only really at the thin edge of it. And in fact, it's kind of associated with the, the downfall of 900 numbers. And I, I found it quite a fascinating topic because just to give you a bit of background, because I didn't really know anything about the history of how this technology came about, but there was back in the 70s, a couple of things you could call, which were more or less kind of dial-up radio station type formats. So you could call a number, for example, and this was when people had rotary phones. So you had to kind of move your finger around to the three or whatever mm-hmm. number you were dialing, and then it would wind back. So they were very they're very basic. They preceded kind of touch-tone phones that we're more familiar with now, uh, although those two are a thing of the past, I suppose. And so they, you know, you could call up and some comedian would do a kind of daily joke um, or there might be one that could give you the weather. And occasionally, uh, well, over time, I think news media started to make use of this technology. So there was a debate between, I think it was Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. And because there was no option to, you know, press one if you prefer Ronald Reagan or press two if you prefer Jimmy Carter because rotary phones didn't allow you to press the different tones. Instead, they gave you two alternative numbers. So you'd call one uh-huh. number if you wanted if you wanted to vote for Ronald Reagan as the winner of the debate or another number if you wanted to vote for Jimmy Carter and then the news channel would tally up the results. But that was a kind of newfangled thing. And then as touch-tone phones became more popular, obviously it became more possible, more more possible to make the technology more sophisticated. So you got this kind of phone tree, what they call a phone tree interface where you could say, you know, to choose this. And, and, you know, obviously that survives to this day to choose this, press one, and then you're faced with another series of choices and you indicate your choice by pressing another number and so on. And so that allowed all kinds of, you know, more sophisticated options and more user interaction and by the time the early 90s came around 900 numbers had proliferated to the extent that it was an almost billion dollar a year industry and they had they had trade conferences where people who ran these numbers would meet up and talk about new innovations they had books that you could buy to figure out how to monetize 900 numbers and what i found really interesting about it was that it spoke to many of the same urges that lie behind social media or the internet. So, you know, you could use it to, for example, some of the numbers would be, so I'll give you some examples. There were, there were a spate of celebrity 900 numbers 
yeah, including yes. people like LL Cool J, MC Hammer, wow, uh, the band Kiss. There was one for Motley Crue. There was one famously for. It was called, I think, the two Corys. It was yes. Corey Hayman, and Corey Feldman. Which of course, that which our younger just some of our younger fans might know that there's a parody of that in The Simpsons, yeah. where Lisa calls the Corey hotline. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then the the uh, like, I think it's Marge or Homer discover that the they've run up hundreds of dollars on the phone bill yeah, from calling Lisa, this Corey hotline. Yeah, Lisa's been calling the Corey hotline all the time. And so that was that was yeah that was a a direct kind of spoof of the two Corey's hotline. Because they would just talk to you. That's what you're paying for. Like the celebrities would just, if I call the Motley Crue hotline, yeah, they're just talking at me. They just go, hey. Exactly. It's Tommy Lee. Yeah, exactly. So they would, there was a variety of things that they would offer or ways that they could work. But what they often did was record a sort of day-to-day, uh, what, they would, what they often did was record a daily message which obviously changed, um, uh. you know, it was obviously changed with each with each call. If you were to, you know, wait until the next day, you could call and get a new message from them. Maybe you'd get some sort of behind-the-scenes news on what was going on with their lives. And they would, I guess, be doing a deal with one of the companies that ran these 900 numbers, and they would promote it on the ad. So there's, you know, there was famously one which had Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff back when it was Jazzy Jeff oh, and the Fresh Prince. Yes. And uh, and because, of course, everything that we talk about on the show, Will Smith's got a finger in that pie at some time. <laughs> and so that, so that and they, they, I mean, people would find out about them because they would run ads on television and often they'd be these kind of very gimmicky, very enticing things where, you know, the members of Motley Crue or Kiss or MC Hammer or whatever would would speak to you and say, "Hey, can't give me a call, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, you know, tell you a joke or or sling some rhymes or do a few like maybe you can maybe you can hear a few bars from my upcoming single or whatever." And uh, I transcribed the Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff ad, okay, which goes, "Yo, my name is Prince. Stop whatever you're doing and listen to this. You know, sometimes if there's nothing to do at home, now you can call me in Prince on the telephone." For the inside scoop on the hip-hop scene, just dial the number on your TV screen. It's my latest creation. Prince, you're bugging. It's mine. That's that's Jeff intervening and telling yeah. telling uh, Will that it's not his idea. And then they say together, all right, it's ours, and it's called the new rap hotline. So give us a call. The new line is kind of deaf. Dial one nine hundred nine zero nine nine jeff And you would call that, and then, and then... You you would hear uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff just talking about what they were doing with their day, and I I read an interview with a guy called Corey Eisner who was the vice president of sales and marketing at a place called Phone Programs Inc., which operated uh, a variety of these nine hundred numbers, celebrity and other hotlines, and he said in a way that was quite reminiscent of the kind of thrill that people got when sites like Twitter fired up. He said this was so wild to people that you could pick up the phone and hear a star like Will Smith on the phone yeah. telling you things that were going on in their life. And it, and it says the company's hotline featuring Smith, then known as the Fresh Prince, and DJ Jazzy Jeff is said to have brought in more than 2.5 million calls from fans looking to hear the duo's updates wow. describing parties they'd attended and life on tour. 
And this producer goes on to say, Will and Jeff were traveling, of course, touring around. So we had a producer that worked with us, an audio producer, and he would travel to wherever they might be. And so he would basically, you know, go and see them on tour and record them just riffing some some funny stories about what they were doing with their life, which then you'd be able to hear if you if you um, called this number. And other celebrities would would take a different approach. They'd actually ring into phone programs, New York office, and they'd record material for their oh, yeah. nine hundred numbers. And so, so that's how they worked. And you had, as well as these kind of celebrity ones, you had a variety of sort of quite obscure ones. There was one where you could call and play a game inspired by Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which was, for those who don't know, a famous uh, film of the 90s era starring Keanu Reeves. There was one where you could speak to Freddy Krueger. There was one for the shithouse film Mac and Me. Um, (laughs) And there are a variety of other ones which, again, are kind of, again, speak to the fact that this was a sort of uh, precursor to the internet. You know, you forget that. In those days, people, like if you were living somewhere uh, where, I don't know, didn't have, didn't have your favorite sport on the, on the TV, then you would just have to wait to hear what the score was. Whereas, you know, if you could call the 900 number and get like a live update on the score, or you could get a live update on your stock, or you could get a live update on the weather in a city that was different to yours and therefore wasn't readily, readily uh, discernible from turning on your TV it was all of those kinds of things. And there was also one which was a kind of early streaming platform where people used to ring and let's say you're in a city where, I don't know, there was there were no local radio stations that were playing the kind of music that you liked or you didn't have a particularly good local record store. You could call and there were music review magazines and they would basically do a deal with the 900 numbers where they'd split the profits and they would play music that they were reviewing. So you could say, I'll press one to hear this record. And you just kind of would get to listen to something that was quite new that you didn't, you might not have access to if you were living in some backwater town. And the, and the um, music companies were happy to just let this play for free because, you know, obviously they were anticipating that a certain number of people who listened would buy their records. So it was a kind of surprisingly, to me, it was surprising how sophisticated it was and also how profitable because it's sort of, by the time I became cognizant of it, it was on the way out. And the reason it was on the way out apparently was because these sex chat lines and other sort of pornographic themed 900 numbers where you could maybe order porn or God knows what, Yeah, they be, they they started to become more common and there was really no way of ensuring that people who were calling these numbers were adults because, right. you know, they were just on the TV. So um, so then it, this is all in the US, but I imagine a similar pattern was followed around the world where regulator steps in and says, okay, well, we've got to try and find a way to stop kids from calling these numbers and either accessing material that they shouldn't or just, you know, spending hundreds of dollars of their, of, of their phone bill, which their parents are now going to be on the hook for. So they basically said that if you ran up a bill calling one of these numbers, then the phone companies couldn't cut you off for not honoring that bill. So you could essentially refuse to pay it and nobody could do anything about it. And you could also call up the 900 numbers and demand your money back and they didn't really have 
much power to stop you from getting it back because the regulator was was trying to stop these um, services from being abused by kids, essentially. And then that coupled with, you know, the kind of lampooning of those 900 numbers on Seinfeld and The Simpsons and the <laughs> the kind of conflation in the public imagination between smut and uh, and 900 numbers basically led to their demise, as well as obviously the rise of the internet, which made a lot of it obsolete. But it was a strange period in history where people were really kind of trying to maximize, like quite cleverly using the technology of 900 numbers or technology of touchtone phones, I guess, and the phone tree interface to try and uh, reach out to different kind of niche demographics. And I found one, for example, where a guy was going to different clubs and he would run these ads where he'd say like, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of a club reviewer. And if you're interested in like, let's say you're into heavy metal or you're into punk or you're into kind of goth stuff or whatever the 80s, 90s equivalents of those things were, then um, you could press that number and then he would give you recommendations in your area for venues that were suitable to your subculture. So it was kind of, you know, it was quite amazing. And then there was another one which was, I don't know, it was a service that was basically playing music which wasn't readily available in America just because the guy who owned it was a kind of passionate proponent of world musics so you could just you could just rig up and essentially it was a kind of de facto radio station that he was running i think but um but now it's all gone and there's people on youtube who go through these ads and try and call up the numbers but a lot of them a lot of them cease to exist after 30 days particularly if they weren't having the kind of financial impact that they'd hoped for then whoever was leasing that number would just you know, would just uh, surrender that lease. And obviously none of them now are operating anymore, which is a shame because I would love, particularly I'd love to call the Corey hotline, which famously uh, on the ad promised that if you called it, and I remember you and I watching it years ago and just laughing That's right. at it. That's right. Yeah, we found, we found it on YouTube, the TV commercial. Yeah, and you could call it and get uh, access to, that. they said... If you call up, then you will get, we'll give you our personal phone numbers. That's right. And there's, I mean, there's just no way that that could ever be true. But I guess if you were a kid, you'd be like, well, I don't know, you know, that that's possible. So you call, they, they sort of enticed people to call on the basis that they would then give you their personal numbers and somehow you'd have this personal connection to Corey Hayman, and Corey Feldman. Uh, but I'm not sure what actually did happen when you call. It was probably just a bunch of pre-recorded faff i imagine i'm sure what uh, happened is they would tell you on the message oh hi this is Corey. i'll give you my personal phone number now and then they would give a number and it would be another 900 number exactly that you would ring and then the message would say hi this is Corey feldman this is my personal number but i'm busy Mm. right now this is the voicemail please leave a message leave a message and then nobody really long please leave a very long message that goes for at least five (laughs) minutes yeah exactly and maybe he like listen to one of these, you know, and then created a bit of a, like gave a bit of feedback to create the impression that he was reviewing the messages or something. It would be that kind of situation. There was also one which I loved where people would call up and it would supposedly play, I don't know what it would do, but whatever material it was giving you was designed to make you cry. And it was like, 
what? basically call call up and have a little private cry if you're sort of somebody who's feeling down and you're just at home and you want to have a little therapeutic weep, then you can call like one nine hundred cry. And there was other ones where like you could call up and be insulted. And, oh, uh, it all sounds very kind of, proto internet fetish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You call one up where a woman says, "I'm crushing your balls with the heel of my stiletto." How you like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure there was that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, shout out to all the hardworking men and women who made that weird little subculture last as long as it did. And I was thinking that you and I could try our hand at having a, you know, one nine hundred schblag number. Oh that yeah, this could call hear a few recordings of us. But every day, what we've been up to every day. Mm, yeah, keep people let's, let's updated on my diet. Hi guys, this morning <laughs> I've eaten one bowl oats, one bowl dal, one yeah, can exactly. lemon randy. Press four to find out how many white sticks I've eaten in the last week. I mean, those 900 numbers were so ubiquitous in television and film in the 90s. I'm thinking, mm. again, particularly The Simpsons had several scenes that included hotlines mm. and... I'm thinking in particular of the coaches hotline which which That's made right. fun which made fun of the fact that the lines were designed to get you to stay on as long as possible so yeah. you'd spend as much money being charged by the minute so Homer yeah Homer's trying to find out who's who's like going to win the football match coming up so that he can put a bet on and he yeah. sees a television ad for the coaches hotline Mm. And so he calls the coach's hotline and then the, the person just speaks in this with huge pauses between mm. all. So it just goes, you have reached <laughs> the... And Tom's going, coaches, 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 <laughs> heart line. The wind is blowing to the north. <laughs> and yeah, that too would have been directly inspired by, I mean, you know, they were all obviously geared towards getting you to stay on the phone for as long as possible, but there were specific NFL ones where you could call up to, to hear supposed sort of rumors about draft picks and trades and, you know, stuff that was going to inform who you backed that week. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was all like, it was often like there was a premium for the first minute and then- That's the longer yeah. you stayed on, the more the, the more the cost went down. Yeah, so, five dollars for the first minute, three dollars fifty mm. for each additional minute. That was the language mm. they would use. Mm, I called exactly. the uh, I called a very famous hotline, which was a hotline that articles have been written about since, and they had divisions all over the world. And that was the Nintendo hotline. Oh and wow! You would call the Nintendo hotline when you were having trouble getting through a certain stage of a video game mm -hmm. and it was a it was a timed call of course mm -hmm. and you would reach an operator and the operators all had these huge binders that included information <laughs> on virtually every video game that Nintendo sold oh, and so you'd wow. say oh hi I'm having trouble getting past this boss in this game yeah okay and then they would say no problem just give me a sec and they'd go and search for the binder and then they'd sit down yeah. and find the relevant page and then they would explain, they'd give you tips about how to, you know, oh, he actually shoots a fireball once every 
three seconds and then that's followed by a pattern where he jumps and you need to or, or maybe you know uh, you, you maybe you were stuck in a room you couldn't escape and he'd say oh you, yeah. yeah there's a key under the desk just go and check over there and i remember uh, the call i remember the call wow. i called once and i remember because mm-hmm. the guy said that he wouldn't tell me how to defeat the final boss because that was part of the rules <laughs> of the nintendo hotline is they're allowed to they're allowed to help you a certain way but wow to keep it a little bit interesting, they wouldn't mm. tell you how to finish the final stage of the game, which is where oh, I was. Right? Yeah. Okay. How about that? And I've read a few interviews with uh, people who were Nintendo Hotline operators that have been hunted down because it was such a cultural phenomenon. Oh. You can find yeah, okay. these uh, these journalists who have done little pieces on the Nintendo Hotline. Hmm. Wow. He would just say something cryptic like. Look into your heart and you will find the courage, <laughs> the courage required to defeat Mega Bowser. <laughs> so there you go. It's a funny little, I'd love to hear from people who. Yeah, that would be good. Have, have called 900 numbers. And, and I also wonder like when the last one of these, you know, finished up because certainly fairly recently, I remember kind of phone sex still being a thing. But it's one of those things that disappears and you don't really notice that it's gone. But I'm sure um, there are older people who you started using them and yeah. probably continue to. And so yeah. it's just one of those weird things where there's a, perhaps a small handful of people who can still support one or two of these businesses. Mm. bit like when, when I was in stall earlier today and I went to the – because I'm staying in the country at the moment for our listeners. And uh, – I went to the news agent. And there was a variety of pornographic magazines, and I thought, "Isn't that sweet?" There are still people who don't who just don't want to he- don't they love the kind of analog feel of a magazine? Yeah, they don't want they don't want internet porn. So I think that'd be good if anybody remembers their own one nine hundred number experiences, or if you're in Australia, the double o double five number. I don't know what you had in Germany. Let me know, guys, what the one nine hundred numbers equivalents know. were, and write us on don't praise at aol dot com or send us a message on the don't praise a machine podcast Instagram account and tell us what the one nine hundred numbers that you remember were perhaps you had personal mm. experience with them or perhaps you just remember seeing the commercial and we'll mm. do a special month of don't praise a machine where we just <laughs> go through all of the recommendations that you've sent us about your 100 numbers we'll get you on yeah. to talk about it yeah do a deep dive the 1900 month it's a little slice of cultural history that i think is is gone very quickly and without anyone really noticing. And that's the kind of thing we love at Don't Praise the Machine. So, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. We do. We love obsolete cultural tech. And little things that sort of little interstitial things that that existed for between one technology and the next. I mean, you know, it's strange to me to think there are probably still people walking around who are like 900 number millionaires. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you know that that whole technology ceased to exist, but it was there. They, that was you know how they made how they made their fortune. I want to give a shout out. You've reminded me of one of my favorite YouTube channels, which is a guy that just goes through obsolete tech. He's excellent. Yeah, 
Uh, Tech Moan. Tech M-O-A-N. Tech Moan. He's a British guy. I think he's got 2 million subscribers. It's excellent. He goes, he he would have 1900 number technology machines on his YouTube channel. um, Yeah. Because people from all around the world send him little technology things that they found like he'll 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 find a guy who ran some kind of service that had a whole bunch of machines in his garage and the guy will go oh, i love your channel you might be interested in this and he'll send mm. like a record telephone recorded message system from the 70s or wow. like a like a movie theater advertising carousel he'll send through and so it's good tech yeah. moan check out tech moan t-e-c-h-m-o-a-n guys okay in that same spirit i'd like to give a quick shout out to some of the sources i drew on for research for this particular schlag there was a guy called nerd out with me who has a similar focus to the um to the person you've just mentioned i dare say there's a there's a guy called dave's archives these are youtube channels oh and also fastcompany.com decades.com and buzzfeednews.com which Thanks, provided guys. interesting we're stories. We're professional about here. We're history, citing our sources. 900 numbers. Yeah. And guys, we'll, we'll see you next week for more All Tech News. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning into episode number 83 of Don't Praise the Machine, the 900 number special. We love talking to you about the Corey Hotline. Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman, call to get their personal numbers now. Junior Vampires of America Hotline. It's the old guy from the Munsters. You've missed him and he's only one call away. The Freddy Krueger Hotline. Call now to get into the nightmarish world of Freddy Krueger. It's the Nightmare on Elm Street. The Motley Crew Hotline. Call now to hear about all the wild adventures of Tommy Lee. The Mac and Me Hotline. The cinema classic, now. In your bedroom, courtesy of the 1900 Back and Me Hotline. The Crying Hotline. Call now to have a private weep and sob in the comfort of your own home. The Being Salted Hotline. Call now to get zing zanged and roasted. We've absolutely loved talking about the Bizarre Encounters Hotline. Call now to hear about cryptids, mysteries, and UFOs with other like minded conspiracy nuts. The John Wayne Gacy Hotline. What could be more tasteful than a serial killer monetizing the sound of his own voice? Call now. Selective Introductions Hotline. Call now for an elite dating service courtesy of the 1900 Phone Tree System. LL Cool J from the cold hard streets of Queens to your bedroom, it's LL Cool J. The MC Hammer Hotline. You can't touch this horse now you can on 100 MC Hammer. It's the Kiss Hotline. Call now to rock and roll all night, party every day. It's Bogus Journey Hotline. Call now to play a game inspired by the cinema classic starring Keanu Reeves and the other guy you don't remember. Excellent. And the Underground Clubs Hotline. Wondering about hot new venues in your area? Call now. Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, the podcast.